Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway Life Church. We're so glad that you've joined us and trust that this podcast will be a blessing to you. Well, good morning again and uh, welcome to part two in our series for March entitled The Calling. And uh, before we actually dive into it today, I just want to give some shout outs. You know, we have different members um, who are a part of Gateway. They call Gateway Life Church their spiritual home. Uh, but they're not necessarily here geographically, but they're connected spiritually. And so I just really want to give a shout out to, uh, to Michael and uh, Kirsten Mitchell all the way in Swan Hill. God bless you guys. I uh, also want to give a shout out to the Hicks family, Tim and uh, Tegan Hicks and uh, all of the kids. And we also just want to welcome all of those who are tuning in uh, to this message via uh, 98.5 uh, FM, The Light. So it's pretty cool. Can we show them some love? Can we do that? Let's give them a hand. God bless you guys. God bless you. Be encouraged. Be lifted up. Well, the calling of God, you know, it can be a little bit mysterious. I don't know if you know that. There's a saying out there that, uh, you know, God works in mysterious ways. But does he really? I don't think he actually works in mysterious ways. I think it's mysterious to us, partly because there are two dimensions. You see, we live in this earthly dimension and God is seated uh, above the earth uh, the Word says that uh, heaven uh, is His throne and earth is His footstool. So He is sitting in eternity in that dimension. So I think that it can be quite mysterious to us because we don't live in an eternal dimension. But the calling isn't something that any one of us are magically zapped into because it's something that you, number one, follow. And it's also something that you, number two, grow into. I think that sometimes, I think that sometimes Christians think that the calling of God and doing, finding your purpose is like, boom, in a moment. Most of the time, it's something that we follow, God's call, the things that He has and purposed for us. It's something that we follow and it's something that we grow into and are prepared for. What I've personally discovered in life and what I've observed, you know, throughout the years and throughout Scripture is that God, as I've already said, will sometimes make your next steps very clear, but most of the time He doesn't. You know, there is a reason why the Scripture says that God's Word is a lamp, it's a light unto our feet. God doesn't always light up the whole path. You and I, we want the whole path lit up so that we can see exactly where everything is going. But God says, no, take the next step. And as you take the next step, I'll light up your path and also call you into what's next. And sometimes, like I said, we're, we're asking God uh, what our next step is. But there's something that He will always say to us, always, no matter what season of life we might find ourselves in, and it's also something that he told a couple of guys on a beach in Matthew chapter 4. And so what I want to do right now, you can either turn with me uh, in your Bibles or you can follow on the screen. Uh, today, if you're looking for a prophetic word from God, 
concerning the season of life that you're in. You might find yourself a little bit confused. You might find yourself in a little bit of trouble. You might, try, you might be trying to work out, you know, should I pursue this, uh, pursue that, uh, whatever it might be. Well, today I've got a prophetic word for you that can clear up a lot of confusion. So let's turn now to Gateway Word of the Week, which is Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 20. And it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, and they were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus walked up to them and he said, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And the word says that they immediately dropped their nets and they followed him. Little side note right now, you know, it does actually cost us something to follow Jesus. You know, there's a price to everything when it comes to growth and moving forward. And I just want to put it out there as I just feel the Holy Spirit impressing it upon my heart. Let me just ask you this question. Is there something in your life that you need to drop immediately in order to follow Jesus? Because there are so many passages throughout Scripture that actually talk about how you can't serve two masters because you love one and actually despise. In another version, it says, hate the other. So you can't serve two. In order to lay hold of the call of God with both hands, you have to let go of something. And the disciples, uh, Peter and Andrew, they dropped their nets immediately, something that they were used to doing. This was actually their vocation, and they dropped them immediately to follow Jesus. And the reality is this, God will sometimes call you and I to drop something. Why would he ask us to drop something? Well, it could be for many reasons. I think one of the reasons could be uh, that we need to drop an old mindset, drop an old way of thinking, drop an old uh, reactive, perhaps uh, default re response to something. Uh, it could be even a relationship, dare I say. Not all relationships are healthy for us. Uh, somebody once said that, you know, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. The point that I feel the Holy Spirit wanting to make here is that there will be something that we need to drop. And the sooner we do it, the better we'll be. Another reason why God sometimes asks us to drop something is because he's got something better for us. Something new. I think that most people here, Celeste, she spoke about uh, having an old couch that she would smack and dust would come up. I'm sure that she would, pref would have preferred a new couch. And we all prefer something new, a new car perhaps, I don't know. God says that, behold, I will do a new thing, can you not see it? And so Jesus is walking down by the Sea of Galilee and he sees uh, these two men fishing and he says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And I love this text because on the surface it's a great Bible story. But as we dive a little bit deeper, we see that it's a parallel of dimensions. And I feel that God's going to reveal, just make us more aware of this parallel of dimensions. Because Jesus has already seen something in Peter that Peter has not yet seen in himself. Peter was operating in an earthly dimension where he was a fisher of fish. 
But if Peter now chooses to respond to the calling of Jesus and follow him, he'll enter into a new dimension, a supernatural dimension, where he'll become a fisher of souls. And over time, Peter would come to learn and understand that the largest net that he ever carried was not in his hands, but it was in his mouth. Because when Peter, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, opened up his mouth to preach, thousands of souls were caught up in his word and people came to salvation. And so can you see how there's two dimensions? He's operating uh, in the right, if you like, vocation, but in the wrong dimension. And Jesus, he uses all of Peter's skills and years of preparation in the fishing world to become a fisher of men for the kingdom. You see, God works all things together for good. I don't know how he does it. You know, many of the, uh, what I would call, unfavorable situations in my life, uh, I can't actually tell you at what particular point it was that he turned things around. But as I followed him, something of the miraculous that was on him jumped off him and somehow got onto my life and my circumstances and before I knew it things had turned around I don't know how he does it but you know everything that you yourself have been through the good times the bad times the painful the kind of pain that has brought us to tears the kind of pain that has made us feel so so alone and rejected but then there's the joyful times but God wants to use it all because he's getting us ready for everything that we're about to enter into. God is not only going to save you, but he's going to use all of your training, your skills and your history, take you into another dimension and into your destiny. And so we might cry out and uh, because we want to know what God's call is, we might cry out and pray and say, Lord, what's my calling? What's my next step? What am I supposed to do in this next season of my life? When it comes to that relationship, my finances, that vocation, Lord, we might say the waves are high and the heat is on and the storm is raging. What do you want me to do? Well, let me just... Repeat what I believe is the prophetic word for every single one of us here today, forever and a day. Because Jesus is still saying today, follow me and I will make you. Follow me. Just imagine crying out to God for prayer, in prayer, saying, God, please reveal my next step. I, like, this is crazy. I'm in a whirlwind. I don't know. The kids are running a mark. The kids are in trouble. I'm feeling like this and feeling like that. I'm feeling so lost. Lord, what do you want me to do? We're thinking something practical, but Jesus is saying, follow me and I'll make you. Does it sound like an answer? Is it an answer? Yeah. It is an answer to prayer. The thing that we don't like about that kind of answer and that kind of response from the Lord is that it's very low on detail. Okay, so Lord, I'm going to follow you. My next question is, where are you going? Where are we going? And the Lord says, follow me and I'll make you. But Lord, how long will it take? And are there any detours? And the Lord would say, follow me and I'll make you. Jesus doesn't say, follow me and I'll take you. He says, follow me and I will make you. And so normally when we're following someone, they're taking us somewhere. But God has called us to walk by faith and not by sight. 
And this journey is not really actually, this faith journey that you're on is not actually about where you're going. It's who you're becoming. That's what it's all about. It's who you're becoming along the way. Jesus is more concerned about making us than he is about taking us. And a big part, we looked at it last week uh, when it came to, and it's such, you know, the calling is such a big subject. You know, last Sunday we looked at uh, the calling and the great commission of the prophet Isaiah. We also looked at what God has called us to, which is number one, salvation. And of course, we're called to follow him. Uh, I really do believe that this is liberating because the burden to know every detail is lifted off us where we no longer need to know everything because the one we're following does. Following God is actually simpler than we realize. For example, uh, if I've never been to your house, uh, but we each get into our cars, all I need to do is follow you. That's all I need to do. If I don't know where you live, I just need to follow you so that when you turn left, I turn left. When you switch lanes, I switch lanes. We simply need to keep on following and enjoying the journey, knowing that we're going to end up at the right place if we don't all of a sudden make up our own minds about what we think is right or left. It's a little bit of a pun right there uh, in the midst of that example. 5% uh, responding, moving right along. Um, I had a good time. See, sometimes even when... Even if the, the joke is dead, the humor is in my head. So, anywho, anywho. You know, many a time we, as I said earlier, we don't always know when the making of us took place. But it happened when we followed. This is the beautiful thing. That's where the power is. The power is in the following, no matter what the season of life is is you know we spoke about this at gateway youth on friday night and we had a really powerful time of worship and uh, deb was highlighting at the end of our worship she she asked the question she said did you notice what happened from the time we began to worship to when we finished worshiping and one of the youth responded and said yes the atmosphere changed and the atmosphere in your life will change when you begin to lift up your eyes to Jesus and follow him. You see, I understand that not everyone walking into this room here today is in the spiritual zone. I, I think that we can bring like a lot of the cares, a lot of the perhaps, I don't know, feelings and thoughts that we've had throughout the week. But as we lay it all down and begin to worship Jesus, something moves. Well, the beautiful thing is you can have that any time. But the blessing is in the following. Someone might have been a very fearful person. Someone might have been very intimidated, perhaps really addicted, jealous, hateful, offended, or double-minded. And somebody might ask you, well, when did things change for you? Because I remember what you used to be like. I mean, like, you've changed. You used to carry this this like dark sort of countenance about you, but now your eyes are really bright and I can see that something has happened on the inside of you. What happened and what changed? Well, my response is, number one, Jesus. But at the end of the day, I can't tell you when it happened, but it happened 
as I followed. And I believe that a part of God's word to us today is this. And the Lord would say, follow me. That's your job. Making you, God says, is his job. Your job is to follow. His job is to make. You do the following. God will do the transforming. And we might be like, but when's that going to happen? That's not the point. That's, that's the wrong question. That's the wrong question. How long is this going to take? I have not got all day. That's the wrong question. You follow him because you love him, because you have a revelation that he died for our sins. We have a revelation of Jesus, that he is the creator of all things, the king of kings. And so I'm in the second half of uh, my message now. And uh, for our remaining time here, I just want to talk for a few moments about the spectacular versus the significant. Because I think to myself that sometimes people are getting a little bit open from time to time, a little bit oppressed, maybe even a little depressed, because not everything in life is spectacular. And God wants you to know that who said, like around Fayida's communion message, which was fantastic, by the way, uh, who told you that life always had to be spectacular? I think that one of the reasons why we think it always has to be spectacular is because of, you know, Insta-famous, right? Or you know, whatever, Instagram, social media, and stuff like that, as we look at each person's highlights reel, right? And we think, oh gosh, my life doesn't look like that. doesn't look all nice and filtered and where the colors are boosted, right? And we can compare that to, to how we feel, and so we start to feel down. Who said every step had to be spectacular? This is going to help. This word will help a lot of people. Not every step has to be spectacular, but it can be significant. One step in the right direction is significant. I think that we can get so drunk on destiny that we miss giving our next step a hard, cold yes. You know, um, sometimes I, I just don't feel like going to the gym, okay? Just don't feel like it. I think about the energy I'm about to exert. I think about how tired I am. I can think about reasons why, you know, you've been working hard. It's probably not that good for you anyway if you go today when, you work, when you've been working so hard. And I can, I can begin to talk myself out of it. But the next step I've got to take is to grab my gym bag. Then the next step is to get in the car. Then the next step is to get to the gym. Then the next step is to start stretching. The next step is maybe get on the treadmill and warm up a little bit more. Get the blood flowing. Get the body working. Create some positive emotion, right? Which leads to positive emotion. And now everything else I find as I take those steps is starting to come into alignment with what I actually want to do. You see, not every step is spectacular, but it can be significant. There's something so underrated about simply and consistently following Jesus. And uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, we read, it says, the Apostle Paul says, But I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Every step in the right direction. It may not be spectacular, but it can be significant. I think also another reason why we think about spectacular steps, because... Uh, we read about them in the Bible. Um, you know, we can read about the great encounters. We can read about great testimonies here. Uh, we can read about how, you know, God calls us from faith to faith, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. But between 
this spectacular event and this spectacular event, there's a lot of little significant steps. So no one lives in the spectacular. The spectacular is just the results of so many significant little steps. It was Eddie Cantor who said, it takes 20 years to make an overnight success. But biblically speaking, Noah waited 120 years for the flood. Abraham waited 25 years for a son. Joseph was in prison for 14 years for a crime he didn't commit. Moses waited 40 years before he steps into the office of international speaker and deliverer of a nation uh, at the age of 80. And of course, Jesus himself waits 30 years before he steps into the public office of Messiah. Every step is significant, especially when we follow Jesus. And so as I begin to uh, wrap it up now, you know, here's one of the big reasons why Jesus says, follow me. Here's the answer. Others are waiting on the other side of your next step. Jimmy, others are waiting on the other side of your next step as you follow Jesus. Victor, others are waiting on the other side of your next step as you continue to follow Jesus. Others are waiting. Your next step is not about you. It's about number one, Jesus, number two, others, and then number three, you. You see, someone, come on now, someone is waiting on the other side of your next step. Let me tell you, one step today toward Jesus is significant. Don't underestimate it. I think that's another reason why we get so discouraged, get a little bit down on ourselves because it's not necessarily spectacular. Well, the Bible says in Zechariah 4.10, do not despise the day of small beginnings. That is one little step. That's a small step. God says that's significant. God can do a lot with a little. He can do a lot with a little. He can do a lot with a little. So last Sunday, and you know, life is full of, <laughs> life is full of next steps. It's full of them. Wow, wow, wow. And uh, it was last Sunday. Uh, last Sunday, we had had our 10 a.m. service. Um, I, I preached in the 12 p.m. service, our Swahili service. Then I went out to Jindra and had a fun time out there. We had a family day out there. And, uh, and that night, I was preparing uh, to preach online because we have 11 churches in Africa. And so we have a bi-monthly gateway online conference. And I was getting ready to speak at that. Um, but I'd come home and I'm like to trains, hey, you're gonna go to the, I'm going to go to Woolies. want to get some snacks, right? Do you want anything? And I thought along the way, I would call Julia, Julia Gleason. And uh, let's just get, uh, Jacob, why don't, why don't you come up now? Let's get him a mic and uh, let's give him a hand of encouragement. And uh, thank you. <laughs> and so I was, uh, I was on my way uh, to the supermarket. I thought I'll give uh, Julia a call, see how she is and things like that. And, um, and I, mainly because I felt the Holy Spirit put on my heart. That's really the thing. So I got the thought. I had this thought, you see. I had this impression. I saw Julia's face. And all of that was enough for me to give her a call. I didn't really know why I was calling. I just knew ah, I got a call. Julia, let's see what's on the other side of that next step. And so she began to tell me that it had been a really tough day. And uh, I think uh, 
Come up a little bit closer so that people can see you online. Hey, Jacob. Your eyes are very blue under these lights. It's maybe because of the blue shirt as well, but I reckon one of the things that Julia must have really fallen in love with you about is your eyes. Is that true? She has the same <laughs> eyes, so it's a bit of... <laughs> it's getting romantic up here. Bro bromantic, I should say. Yeah. So. And what was that about Julia's eyes? You felt the same for her? We have the exact same eyes, so... Do you really? Beautiful. Wow, wow, wow. So, um, who, who wasn't well last Sunday? So, Emily. Emily, yeah. Started off and what followed up with her. Me. She was like really sick. Yeah, uh, after the service, she had a headache. Um, really, really bad. Just crying and heaps of pain behind her eyes. And mm. on our way home, she ended up throwing up in the car and a few more times wow. at home. Oh, that's so tough. That's really, really tough. And this is what uh, Julia was telling me. And then she went on to tell me, and uh, she said, oh, and Jacob has just admitted himself into the uh, emergency department at the base hospital. I said, what? What's going on there? So why don't you just share everyone, with everyone what happened there? Yeah, so we went home after church, and because uh, Emily wasn't feeling well, we sat down and watched a movie. Um, and we'd, you know, we were towards the end of it, been about an hour or so, and... The TV started looking a bit like a kaleidoscope, all the, all the colours, it wasn't focused, it was all blurry. And then, similarly to the kaleidoscope, it, it started tunnelling really, really quickly. Uh, got up and threw some water on my face, had a drink, didn't, didn't quite fix it. I said, Julia, this is not good, let's maybe go see if we can get some help and probably do it quickly because I uh, was pretty sure I was going to pass out. It, it was. I was just wondering where I was going to wake up. When I was going to wake up, it was it was different to anything in the past. So, pretty quickly got to the hospital and and sat there. Mm -hmm. And you'd never encountered something like that before, I think you said. Yeah, nothing like it. Very, very strange. Yeah. And this is all happening in the one day. Uh, part of the reason why this was all happening, by the way, is because really because of the great things that you know they're allowing God to do in their life. And uh, sometimes the enemy's not happy about that. And so he comes against us, like the Bible says, uh, you know, in various forms. And so, so I was on the phone to Julia and, uh, and I said, well, I'm just about to pass the base hospital. Um, I'll pop in and see how he is. So I checked in and uh, I finally found where he was. And I walked up to him and I said, what are you doing here? <laughs> I said, what are you doing here? And uh, so I sat down and just learned a little bit more about what had happened. And so I said, we're going to pray and we're going to believe. And so I just laid my hands upon him and just prayed, asked the Lord, okay, for his healing anointing to be upon Jacob. And immediately there was something didn't really uh, take place necessarily straight away. It wasn't necessarily immediate. But I knew in my heart that something of the gospel had been received. Right, You know, sometimes if you take a tablet, the effects of it are not immediate, but over time, a change can take place. Well, I knew in my heart that God had given me faith that a change would take place. Um, so talk about... And then another miracle, actually another miracle was, as soon as we finished praying, you got called in. Mm. Yeah. Usually you've got to sit at outpatients for a very, very long time. And I think you hadn't been there all that long. And so you got called in. And uh, why don't you just share what happened next as you give thanks and glory to God. 
Yeah, so we, we did, we prayed, um, and as Jason said, it, it wasn't like an immediate wave or anything. I actually felt comforted, but I felt the same, and, and we prayed again, um, and then got called in, and it was, said goodbye to Jace, he, he went on with his day, and as I went in, I sat down, started talking to the doctor, and he said, what's, what's going on, what am I feeling, and, and I had to talk about it all in the past tense, because <laughs> it was gone, it, I, uh, I had... I'd been very fuzzy in the head. I couldn't text. I was trying to tell Julia what was going on. I couldn't remember how to spell anything. Couldn't, couldn't open my eyes. Couldn't, was dizzy, but sat down with the doctor to tell him what was going on, and it was nothing but a dull headache. So it, it passed as quick as it came. That's it. Praise God. How good's that? So that's good, man. And I think it's just, a, again, just another great testimony to the Lord's you know, love and uh, work in your life. So thanks, mate. Thanks for sharing. Give him a hand as he's seated. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Well, let me just invite you to stand as we begin to close. And I really do just want to give someone the opportunity to respond uh, to the Lord today. You know, sometimes we need to give Jesus a painful yes. And even though pain might endure for the night, joy will soon follow. You know, I thank God that Jesus gave his heavenly father a very painful yes in the garden of Gethsemane because Jesus actually asked if there was another way. Jesus knew what was about to be unleashed from hell. He also knew what was about to be unleashed by man whom he had created concerning the crucifixion of his own body. And so he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying, and he's asking God if there's another way. But he asked three times, man, it must have been hard for Jesus, on one hand, to know that it was the will of the Father, that he, he had been born to die for the sins of the world. He knew that all along. The disciples would ask him, saying, when are you going to bring your kingdom into this world? And he said, my time has not yet come. When he sat Whilst he was being trialed before Pilate, he was being accused and judged. But Jesus, it says like a lamb led to the slaughter, did not even open up his mouth or justify or defend himself because he knew that this was the enemy's hour and that this was the gateway to the crucifixion. So he opened not his mouth because he knew why he had been born. But it just so, man, it just gets me thinking. He asked the father three times, is there another way? It must have been so hard. And we know that it was because the external pressure was so great that he began to sweat great drops of blood. And so he knelt down praying. He knelt down praying, is there another way? And I reckon there was a time there when the devil thought, I've got him. I've got him right where I want him. He's on his knees. He's asking if there's another way. Quick, demons, keep putting the pressure on. I think he's going to fold. I think in the last moment when it's really going to count, he's going to cave. He's going to give in. He's going to walk away and say, Father, I'm sorry, I can't do it. It's too hard. And I reckon the devil might have thought that he had him until he got up again. I really do believe that in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was there that Jesus was crucified before he was publicly executed. He won the war in the private so he could win the war in the public. And you've got to win the war in the private. 
so that you can win in the public. I'm so thankful today that Jesus gave a very hard, cold, painful yes to the Father. And today I want to invite someone to give God a painful yes, to say yes to God, to say yes to following Him. Follow Him and He will make you. Following is our part. The making of us is His part. If today you just know that you need to step it up and, and stop thinking so much about the spectacular and just make it more about the significant, knowing that the secret to our success is in our next step. That's the secret to your success. There's no magic bullet. There's no magic zapping into whom God wants to make you. You grow into that as you follow him. So if today you just know that this word is speaking to you and you want to respond in your heart, then let me just lead you in a prayer and let's do that right now. I'm going to pray uh, a, a line uh, and then I'll get you to pray after me. So let's pray. Dear loving Father, I humble myself today. I humbly ask that you would forgive me of all my sins. I haven't always been perfect and everything I've thought and everything I've said and everything I've done. And yet, you still love me and you still call me. And so this day, I say yes to the call of God in my life. And I will follow you and I will follow you and I will follow you in season and out of season because my faith is not about an experience. My faith is about a relationship with you, Lord Jesus. I thank you this day that I am forgiven and I am healed and I am strong. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father, I just pray now for every single person who has responded today. I believe, Lord God, that the true testimony of each one's prayer and of each one's faith will be demonstrated in their next step. It won't be demonstrated necessarily in what we say. It'll be demonstrated in what we do. So I pray you would strengthen uh, everyone's legs, everyone's walk in Jesus' name. And I just thank you also for the peace of the Holy Ghost. I pray for those who have been working so hard. I pray for those, Lord God, who are feeling stressed. I pray for those, Lord, who are not sleeping well. I pray for those who have many cares and many worries about the future. I pray for those, Lord God, who are having difficulty in their relationships, in their finances. I pray for those, Lord, who are sick in their bodies. I pray for those, Lord, who are troubled in their minds. I thank you, Lord, and collect all these prayers and more. And as I cast them all to you, I thank you that you will do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we could imagine or dream. I just loose each person right now and thank you for freedom in each one's heart and mind in the name of Jesus. I pray also and I believe that you're putting faith in the hearts of every hearer right now, even those watching this replay. I thank you, you're putting a gift of faith to 
uh, stand up and to step out and to take their next step, to give, Lord, to sow in different ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Gateway Life Church. For more information, please visit gatewaylifechurch.org.au. God bless and have a great day.